Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. I'm going to apologize. I seem to apologize every uh, episode because we are late in getting this out. It's been a little crazy, but I figure that between uh, Brittany and I, just our schedule has been a little hectic. You guys didn't want to hear just me. So I had to wait until we could really get something together. And Britt is with us today. How are you doing today, Britt? I'm good. How are you? Whew, I'm sticking in there. I'm hanging in there. Um, we, hey, that's the doggy. Um, so we typically will do our recording uh, in the same room, but uh, because of our schedules are a little crazy, I am out of the office um, on um, some retrieving independence work. So we've got camp this week, and Brittany's at home doing work. So this is the only time that we found that we could do this, and I can't believe it. We're actually recording a podcast with zero alcohol because there's still a lot of work to do after we even record this episode. But uh, I promise you guys, we're going to get back to getting episodes weekly. Gray is coming over and we're going to record some back-to-back ones. So we have them in the vault. If you have anything that you'd like to hear, shoot us an email and let us know. We did have a listener give us an, uh, shoot us an email and they wanted to hear about multiple dog households um, really with the same, uh, with litter mates. Yeah, but we're going to be talking everything from um, bringing a dog into the home, established pack, um, issues between the pack members, and uh, we will touch on the litter mates, uh, which can cause some issues, but we will get into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, if you guys do have any ideas, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'd love to hear what you want to hear about. So uh, multiple dog households, uh, Brett, have you, you've lived in a home with multiple dogs before you and I, um, did you ever have problems between housemates? No, but we, I I grew up in a home that had multiple dogs that were indoor outdoor dogs. Uh, so they weren't, they weren't buddies. They didn't play. They just coexisted and it was Uh, it was fine for them, but they weren't, they weren't like the, uh, like how people would describe a pack, I guess. They sort of were just their own little individual dogs. Well, I think that that's one thing that we need to recognize that not every dog that goes into a home with another dog, they're, they're not necessarily going to be best friends. I think that you have dogs that can tolerate each other, that accept each other. 
that that maybe even love each other to where they do everything together. Uh, but I think that when we try to make dogs become best friends, um, I was listening to another uh, to a colleague and their podcast on multiple dog households. And I like what she said, that bringing a dog into a home is similar to like an arranged marriage. Mm. Right. You're putting yeah. these two dogs together and just hoping it works out. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was a really good example of what we what we do um, when we bring dogs into the home. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to touch on today on what is the best way to, you know, add a dog to your family. Um, but because, uh, you know, we deal with a lot of intrapack aggression issues. Yeah, we do. Um, I mean, it's, you know, and we have them from severe to where the dogs absolutely can't even see each other to dogs that can coexist, that there are just some particular issues Mm -hmm. that come up. So they really do vary. Um, But I really want to, the majority of this episode, I want to make sure that we talk about how to avoid those issues. Because I think that's a lot easier to do uh, than getting into what that uh, aggression issue between housemates looks like because there's a there's different levels and right. different motivations behind it. Right. But I think if we just follow some basic rules, you know, I think that we can help to eliminate that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we I had outside dogs growing up, um, and then when I have had dogs and multiple dogs, I've been very fortunate not to have any issues. Yeah, um, you're always going to get some altercations and some squabbles because. Well, that's just life, but it's when we start to get excessive squabbles, mm-hmm. excessive altercations, um, that we have issues. Yeah. We get those calls frequently where it's, it's gotten to a point where, you know, two dogs can't be in the same vicinity without wanting to kill each other. And that's stressful. Mm-hmm. That's stressful for everyone in the household. Yeah. And it's especially stressful when you have a dog that's a part of this issue that's been there longer. Right. 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 So I'll call that kind of the established dog, whoever was there mm-hmm. first. Because most people do not get dogs at the same time. Um, I don't recommend dogs get, uh, I don't recommend people get dogs at the same time, um, whether they're litter mates or not. I think that there should be at least um, two years in between. Oh, that I think long? that's, uh, yeah, because, you know, you've got, you know, dogs are not going to be adults until at least 18 mm-hmm. months. Um, and that's when they're really starting to set themselves up for what that longevity is going to look like and what their desires are, what they like, what they dislike. Because as puppies, they pretty much like everybody. But it doesn't mean as adults that they're going to get right. along. It's like, you know, we had friends in elementary school that you meet them as adults now and you're like, oh, how are we even <laughs> friends then? I don't even know what I was thinking. We're not the same. (laughs) We're not the same. You know, although a lot of people have met me or seen me since uh, school and they're like, Nikki, you haven't changed one bit. Yeah, we hear that a lot. I do hear that. Mm -hmm. But it's so I think that at at least at 18 months, you give the dog a few more months to say, okay, what is it that you really like? What does your life look like Mm -hmm. for you? Uh, So I like the two year mark. Um, but I think you could easily do the five-year mark and you could even do a seven-year mark. I, I think that really there's no cap on it. That once you hit that two-year mark, for me, I don't think there's a cap on 
of having a 10 year old dog and then getting mm-hmm. a puppy. I sometimes think that's a great idea because that puppy can give that, that um, mature dog a little bit more energy, yeah. right? A little more oomph. So, I mean, we had, we got Isabella when Jake was 13. Yeah. So, and Dan was eight, no, mm-hmm. nine. So, uh, you know, Isabella came in to two established adults, one that was very mature, one who is mature in age, but not in mind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's worked out well. It's worked yeah. out well. So we've been, we've been fortunate. I mean, there've been a couple of altercations, but, um, they've been very simple mm-hmm. and easy to handle. So, uh, we've been fortunate. Yeah. And so, so we will talk about bringing in a dog because, we will be having our 11-year-old and our 15-year-old, I think, will be going together, I think, or soon after the 15-year-old being that he's just, I mean, at 15 and a large dog. And then the 11-year-old has cancer. So that can happen at any time. So with Isabella already being a little over two and I'm looking at getting a puppy, um, you know, we'll be right in that good mm-hmm. area to bring in a pup for Isabella. But I think that there definitely needs to be some standard rules when you have a multiple dog household. And uh, I think that this could incorporate multiple pet household, including cats. But I do want to talk more about just the multiple dog household. Um, And I think there are some standard rules that if we just apply these rules, you can do a better job at, at not having the issues. And these rules apply as much, if not more, when we're talking litter mates. Mm, okay. Okay. Because um, litter mates, dogs are not meant to stay together. Okay. When when canines have puppies, they're meant to kind to, of, of go their own way. They're, they usually are not going to stick in their own family pack. If you do it, maybe one or two, and it's usually like with a mother, not a mm-hmm. sibling. When you put the two siblings together, uh, being that they're so alike that they have to find ways to be different. Uh, so anytime organisms are too close together, they have to find a way to be a little different. And I think that's where you're going to get um, some problems there, which is not much you can do to change that. Um, and there are only things that we can do by our standard rules to hope that we don't have that issue in the long run. So, uh, so this does these standard rules need to be for every household with multiple dogs, but especially true mm-hmm. for litter mates because people want to get litter mates and keep them together because they think that's what they want. Right. And that is not typically what they want. It's not the same as cats. Cat litter mates are great. Dogs, not so much. And don't ask me why. I did not know that. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and it it probably just goes to the point that cats are going to be more as a, I hate to use the word pack, um, but I could be wrong in that. I'm not, I don't know as much about cats as I do dogs. So I probably shouldn't even need to speculate on that. Um, But cats do a much better job at living in an environment with multiple cats. If there's plenty of space, cat colonies, I guess is what I was looking for. Yeah. I mean, as you know, Um, not our cats sometimes. No. Well, and I think the problem that happens when we get multiple cats in a household and they're not litter mates, one, we make the mistake of not introducing them correctly. Mm. Um, when I was doing some reading, uh, we have never introduced cats correctly. 
Uh, we will with our next oh. one because we really messed that up. And smell is primary for cats. So if a smell is off, then you're going to have issues, which is why you and I with Isabella, not Isabella, with Indy and Gemma, they got along fine until Indy got sprayed by a skunk. Mm. And ever since then, Gemma hissed at her and there were some problems. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so we've made some mistakes and I do also think that cat colonies that live outside, they work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas indoor cats, they don't get a ton of enrichment. They don't get to do those natural things. So I think there's some pent up frustration with that, but Hey, I'm not a cat behaviorist. Um, I, I do look forward to learning more about cats, <laughs> but, but not right now, but, with, but I do know dogs. So, um, so let's talk about this. Um, one of the biggest things, and, and this, again, these are some standard rules, whether you're going to bring a dog in or whether you already have a, uh, multiple dogs in your household. One of the most important things that you need to do is give your dog individual sleeping areas. Um, and now this doesn't mean that they might not share a bed. They might share a bed, but individual sleeping areas where a dog can get away from the other dog, even in another Mm. room. Many times people will block off certain parts of their house and it forces the dogs to stay together. Right. Uh, We need to give them access of removing themselves for a little quiet time. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of uh, people also will, I've only heard this from people who have litter mates. I've I've never heard it from people who have, um, or maybe an otherwise bonded pair that maybe they adopted together. Um, but I've never heard this about dogs that have been uh, acquired at two different times, but where they will actually, sorry, my phone was ringing in my headphones, um, where they will actually crate them at night together in the same crate. And it's a really common thing that I hear when I'm talking to people. Yeah, it's um, that is such a big mm-hmm. no-no because it may be that one dog likes it, but the other one will not. And toleration does not mean enjoyment. Right. I can tolerate something and not enjoy exactly. it. So I don't recommend that we put dogs together in crates like that because they need their own space. Uh, one dog may enjoy it and one dog may not. One dog is just you know tolerating it. And at some point, it, that frustration is going to kick in. Not to mention if there is an altercation in a crate, that's very dangerous because nobody can get away. Mm, yeah. Um, so whether you're sleeping at night or you're gone during the day, dogs should never be crated together. Um, and I can tell you that from personal experience that um, I learned that lesson the hard way. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't want to elaborate on that because it's very sad, but uh, we definitely want to make sure that dogs have their own crates or their own general area. So whether you have one in a bedroom, one in a laundry room with baby gates, it's just having some uh, individually placed uh, beds that they can lay on. Uh, I don't mind dogs sharing beds or if they want to lay on the same bed, if both are comfortable with that. But we need to make sure that everybody has their own Mm -hmm. things, right? You don't, you don't get kids and be like, okay, you have to share this one bed. Right, you don't make twins sleep in the same bed. Oh yeah, that doesn't seem fun. 
<laughs> right? Because they're their own, they're their own little person. Yeah. Even though they're twins, they're still their own little person. So same thing with litter mates. But I really want people to understand that they need that separation. Please don't think that they want to be together because they don't cause any mm-hmm. problems. It's, it's I'd rather you be safe than sorry. So definitely individual sleeping areas where they can, you know, one may really like to lay in the bedroom. One may like to lay at the front door. I mean, we know our dogs have specific areas where they like oh, to lay. Oh, for sure. Everybody's got their own favorite spot. Yeah. And it's not on top of each other. Mm-mm. No. Nowhere right? near each other. At all. <laughs> ours do not. Doing ours, their own ours share the bed with the cat from time to time. Yes. There's no, there's no doggy bed sharing. No, no, they, they are their own individuals. And so, uh, you know, they want that space. They need that space, just like we need our space. You know, even living together as a couple, we need that space. Yes. And I have my own room. Brittany has her room. I mean, it's our room, but I have a place I can go. You know, so it, it's important that we all have that. Um, and so even having extra dog beds, maybe one extra than, than how many dogs you have. Uh, kind of the rule with cats and litter boxes, have one more litter box than cats. Uh, I think that having an extra dog bed is important. And this is even if you allow your dogs on furniture. I would have dog beds so that they have a place to lay. Um, And there's not anyone left out to where they have to lay on the hard floor if they don't Mm -hmm. want to. Many, many will, especially in the summer months. But it's just better to be safe than sorry. Um, I think I think that we're pretty guilty about dog beds. Um, I feel like we should, we should have more dog beds. Um, and yet I haven't, <laughs> I haven't gone and gotten those. Well, we, we, we don't um, exactly have the space either. <laughs> and that's, that's true too. So finding the beds that work right, you know, um, cause the cats do lay on the dog beds. Uh, right. And so, um, you know, sometimes you got to have some extra dog beds. And if you do have cats that lay on dog beds, having some extra, some beds, if you have the space, obviously. Um, I bought, we went to yard sales this past weekend to buy things for enrichment um, ideas and enrichment items. And if you don't know what we're talking about, check out the Instagram, uh, our Instagram page, because uh, we have some really great things on there for enrichment. But I found some chairs that are kind of like stools that I fell in love with. And I was so excited and I had no idea where I was going to put them in the house. I bought them and brought them home. And Steve has sat in the one like every single day, multiple times in the day. And I'm like, well, I'm so glad I bought I, Pat and I, I bought Steve. It's his new bed. favorite spot. But the dog, yeah. I'm like, I know the dogs get a bed back. So there's that. They do get a bed back because he will. He'll even get in uh, Isabella's crate yeah. if it's open. Um, so uh, he's he's a goofy cat, but he loves that. So just finding some some things that you can use. And if your dogs are allowed on the furniture, that's fine. I don't live with you. I don't care. As long as you're not having resource guarding issues. If you do, go check that podcast episode mm-hmm. out. You know, another thing that I find uh, a real issue when I go into a home with multiple dogs is where they feed either free feeding, where food stays out and the dogs are allowed to graze. Um you know, or they, uh, dogs have to share a bowl to eat out of. And this is a big no-no. Um, I, one, free feeding is a no-no for me. Um, I like to know when my dogs eat, how much they eat, if they're eating 
Uh, if they're not eating, then I know that there's something that's wrong. Uh, but it also allows them to have their own space to eat in peace without trying to gobble up as much as they can before their their housemate mm-hmm. comes over. Um, and with free feeding where dogs can just graze, what ends up happening is one dog ends up guarding the food bowl without you even noticing it because it can be very subtle where they just lay in the pathway to the bowl. There doesn't have to be growling. There doesn't have to be snapping and snarling and biting. It could be very simple. And so other dogs don't have access to that food bowl. And that bully behavior is going to eventually cause altercations. Yeah. And I see this with uh, water bowls as well, especially, I mean, if there's only one primary water bowl where a dog will sort of just lie in front of it constantly. Yes. Yes. That is again, and that, so having multiple water bowls, very important. And, um, and cause I even had uh, some clients of the day that had, one water bowl, they only have one dog, but they have cats. And the water bowl sits next to where the dog mm. eats. So every time the cat was going over to the water bowl, he thought that the dog was the cat was going over to his food. Right. So now the cat didn't have access to the water bowl. So multiple water bowls, very important. Otherwise, your dog may go find that toilet bowl because he's too afraid to go drink out of the other bowl. Um, and another thing that you can do is don't put water bowls in corners to where dogs feel vulnerable. Because if there are bully behaviors that are taking place in the household, a dog doesn't want to feel vulnerable. So they may not go to a corner to drink or even eat for fear that there's no escape. So it's good to have them out in places where the dog does not feel vulnerable. And of course, you have to look at this based on your house. Um, We do have multiple dog bowls. Uh, We have one in the the bedroom. Uh, Typically, we have one in Isabella's crate. But we have two bowls sitting next to each other in the kitchen. One is a high bowl for the dogs. One's a low bowl for the cats. Um, But, you know, we could probably do well to put another water bowl Mm -hmm. out. Our dogs do drink out of the toilet. It's Jake's favorite (laughs) place to drink. Yeah. And I think he does it just because uh, he just likes it. I don't know. He's 15 and has dementia. Who knows? So, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but having multiple water bowls, but always separate food bowls and feeding them at a distance away from each other that there's no tension because tension can can happen without you seeing it externally. Right. right. How many times have you, you know, people are stressed, but you don't see it. They put a smile on their face, but inside they're really mm-hmm. stressed out. So we don't want to wait until we see the external behavior. At that point, we've already we already have a problem. It's And it doesn't just happen overnight. And it's not just something that happens out of the blue. It usually starts to snowball with little things like guarding the water bowl, guarding food bowls, um, and just giving a look can be all it takes. Yeah. So those are very important things to do with multiple dogs. Um, another thing, of course, is having individual training times. Each dog needs to have... Um, some one-on-one with the human to learn behavior, learn how to be responsive. And of course, as a human, you need to set the expectations so everybody knows the rules, right? Um, And that will help to uh, decrease any anxiety within the dogs because they know what's expected. And it's a lot easier to train your dogs individually. Many times people are trying to walk their dogs and teaching them how to walk on a leash together. Mm, Yeah. 
that's we can't do it. We hear that a lot. Yes. You've got to do some individual. And by doing individual, you're able, your timing is going to be better on rewarding behavior. And you're not going to get into that role of, well, I gave Fido a treat, so I guess I have to give Buster a treat. Yeah, yeah. No, Buster was just sitting there. Fido did all the work. Why is Buster just getting to sit there and earn treats? That's mm-hmm. not fair. It's like, a, right? you know, when it was your birthday party and people would bring your siblings gifts too, so they didn't feel left out. Yeah, that never happened oh. in my house, thank goodness, because I, I was not raised in the day that everybody earned a trophy. Definitely, it definitely happened. You know, some relatives would do that. Like, oh, well, you Seriously? know, Riley needs to need, need a toy as well. Yeah, my not my, not my parents, goodness. but, you know, if if relatives right. would come over, they would, they would bring my brother's toys as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, so, no, not everybody so got a trophy in my world. Yeah, you got to work for it, man. Like, I don't mind just, I mean, I don't mind giving some toys and, and rewards out to, to all together because I feel like it. But come on, you know, don't let one dog do all the work. And and that's when we get into talking about uh, bringing litter mates home or puppies home at the same time. People will typically allow one dog to tell them they need to go out and go potty. Therefore, the other dog doesn't know how. They just depend on their sibling or their housemate. And they never learn to tell on their own. When they need to go potty, they're dependent on someone else. So if they really have to go and that other dog doesn't know they need to go, now we have accidents in the house. And uh, with that too, I mean, it ultimately becomes a codependent relationship between dogs. Yes. Um, Where you've got one who's more confident uh, or a bully and another one that has very low confidence. Um, you know, growing up, I, my youngest brother had a speech impediment. So my, my other brother and I started talking for him. We would, we would sort uh-huh. of translate for him. Uh, that's how it started out. Cause we could, we could decipher what he was saying. It just got to the point where he just didn't talk anymore because he was like, it doesn't matter. You know, Brittany is going right. to tell mom or whomever, like either what I'm saying or what I want. So he just didn't for a while. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, that's sort of the same with dogs as well. There's like, well, you know, Fido's going to do it for me. I don't have to learn how to do it. Right. Exactly. And then somebody goes, well, he's not as smart as Fido. No, your brother is just as smart as you. It's just, yeah, why do it if somebody can do it for you? for (laughs) getting the reward without having to do anything for it. (laughs) Right? He's like, well, I'll just sit back and just let this, you know, let them do all the work. Yeah, so I think that we we definitely need to get some uh, individual training so each dog knows because each dog may learn at a different rate. Their reward may be different. They may enjoy treats where the other one enjoys toys. and that brings up kind of learning each dog as individuals, whether they come from um, the same litter or whether they are uh, from different litters or even the same breed. You have to look at each dog individually on what they like, what they enjoy, what they find rewarding, what their idea of enrichment looks like. So it's really important that people take time to be with each dog individually 
so that they can get to know that mm-hmm. dog and um, and they can meet that dog's needs and not just assume that his needs are the same as the older dog or the litter mate or the the dog you had before this that was the same breed. Right. We have to stop doing that comparison. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what Jake finds fun is not the same as what Dayan finds fun. Dayan loves to swim. Jake, not so much. Yeah. Not a fan of, not, not right. such a fan of the water. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you, so to say, well, we're going to go to the river and take Jake. And then we come home and go with well, the dog should feel great. Cause we went to the river today. Well, Jake didn't have so much fun because the river is not his, his thing. So we only really gave enrichment to one or two right, dogs exactly. instead of looking at everybody. So it is important that we look at them individually and understand what they want, what they need. Um, and of course, with breeds, uh, seeing what that genetic predisposition looks yeah. like. Um, so that's it. That's very important. Um, some other uh, basic things when you have multiple dog households, um, it's so easy for people to allow the dogs to be rewarding to each other. And that means that they are going to find, I'm just, y'all, I just got to say it. So Brittany and I are recording on this. Um, it's an online program <laughs> that I have an app, but I can see her while we're recording this, but you guys obviously can't. So I'm watching her. We're looking at each other while we're recording. Well, my cat's tail just came in view because she is just needing to be a part of everything. Um, and I get tickled because I love yeah. kittens. So anyway, sorry. So we just got, we were I've, both trying not I've, to laugh there, but we might as well just I've moved stare. my uh, my office to the bed today just uh, just to get out of the real office for a little bit. A change of scenery. So I've got, you know, cats all over me. Yeah, the cats mm-hmm. are like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for being in here. Um, so as I was saying, it is, don't we don't want the dogs to be the only rewards for each other as the humans y'all need to be kind of the gateway to all rewards whether that's allowing them to go out and play together whether that is um you know sharing toys or whatever you just need the dogs to understand that you're the one that controls all good rewards and that the reward is not just from the other housemate and this is a common issue when people bring home litter mates or bring home puppies at the same time they allowed them to entertain each other. And so they become the only mm-hmm. thing rewarding and they won't pay attention to the humans because the humans haven't been rewarded. Exactly. Dogs don't, don't, dogs don't know when you bring them to the house that they're supposed to be at your every beck and call. Right. All they know is if that, if there's another dog there, that's their species and they're having fun with that species 95% of the time, then you don't mean exactly. that. Individual time. Very important. Set the expectations, know what the rules are going to look like, and spend that time with them. Um, and, you know, another common issue I see is that they allow, that people allow the dogs to steal items from each other. Now, if it's in a play style and they're kind of playing keep away and, and those type of things, great. But when one dog is sitting there chewing on a toy or a bone and the other dog walks up and just takes it and walks away and starts chewing on it, that's a problem. Um, we have to make sure we're interrupting that and not allowing that to happen because if Fido is stealing Buster's toys all the time, Buster is eventually going to get mad about it and an altercation is going to take place. For sure. 
So we need to eliminate that. So basically, you just go get the toy back from Fido, give it to Buster, and then give Fido another toy to play with. Yeah. When you give chew bones um, and things of that, you need to supervise and make sure that they are um, in you know enough space to where they can chew on their own. And if one is drop, if Fido's dropping his to come get Buster's, that needs to be an interruption. Send him back over to his bone. If Fido keeps doing it, then Fido not only gets a timeout, but Fido loses his bone. If Fido can't stay with his bone, it goes back. Fido. Right. Um, so we don't want dogs to steal items because that will eventually turn into issues. And another big one is guarding um, items or objects or areas. So I'll have one dog that may guard the mom, mm-hmm. right? Fido's like, Buster, you're not allowed to come over here and say hi to mom. That's a problem. We need to interrupt that. We need to not allow that to happen. Don't let Fido lay in front of the water bowl. Don't let Fido lay in the pathway from the kitchen to the living room. And Buster just wants to go into the living room with the family, but Fido's in the way, so Buster can't get in there. It's those little things that don't look like much that is going to create issues mm-hmm. down the line. Yeah. Time. Now it's, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you know, when we have calls about um, interpack aggression and it's like, it came out of nowhere. And yes, no, it did not. You know, these dogs no, have been fine for not. two years with one another and then suddenly they're not fine anymore. Um, no, that's not, that didn't just come out of nowhere. Right. Usually it's one of them has, uh, been tired of being Mm -hmm. bullied and it's these little things of guarding and stealing items um, or just aggravating the pee out of them right so if if Fido comes over and is constantly licking on Buster and Buster is just like turning the head and and not really enjoying it but tolerating it at some point we have to recognize that and say Fido you're being aggravating you need to stop Mm -hmm. and walk away because again, just because a dog, just because Buster isn't growling, snarling, or getting up and moving away, doesn't mean he's enjoying yeah. it. And I mean, I think that's where you have to be aware of your dog and sort of know what that looks like for your dog, um, their body language, their attitude, you know, those sort of things to recognize if they're yeah. bothered or aggravated about something. Yeah, because it's you don't want to hear it, yeah. right? But you definitely need to read it and understand that 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 the dog is saying, "I'm not, I don't really want this right now. Like, I don't want to play. Stop putting the toy in my face. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play, but I'm also comfortable, and I don't want to move away from my bed. I was laying here, I was comfortable, and then yeah. you just came over. We have to interrupt Fido on that and say, Fido, Buster doesn't want to play right now. Let's go do something else. So it's important as as the human, you do need to interrupt these things. But you need to interrupt it calmly, no screaming and yelling, no corrections, no punishment, no aversives. A very simple, that's enough with a redirect is all you need to do. And we have a video on our website called Controlled Window Barking that will show you how that's enough with a redirect looks with a dog barking mm-hmm. out the window. All you do is replace that window with the other dog. And it's the same concept. So we have to interrupt it to make sure that we are being respectful um, of uh, of the dog that doesn't want to interact in that moment. And the other, and Fido needs to learn that he doesn't always have to be playing with Buster, that he can do other things. Um, and I say, lastly, with a standard rule is please stop 
trying to put your dogs in order of hierarchy. So many times people will say, well, this dog's been here the longest, so he's going to get the treat Mm -hmm. first. The other ones have to wait. He eats first. That's a problem because dogs don't work that way. Dogs will pick and choose. Uh, Typically in a household, you're not going to have one dog who is the overall leader. Typically when I have somebody tell me um, that we have Fido, Buster, and I forgot to tell you, we also have um, Lucy. And Lucy, now Lucy is the alpha. You know, she does not tolerate anything. If Fido just walks up, she snaps Mm -hmm. at him. Right. If Buster tries to approach us um, and he's too excited, she will get in between. She's the leader. No, she's being the bully. So if I have people telling me that they know which one is the leader, then I know they're showing bully Mm -hmm. behavior. Because in reality, dogs that are going to live within um, a family together, they will all pick and choose what is priority for them on what they want to be in charge of. So one may be in charge of initiating play. That's their most important, I'll say, job. One may be priority over laying on the couch. And that priority of laying on the couch is because Fido and Buster don't mm-hmm. care. But Lucy really likes the couch. And Fido's like, I like the couch, but it's really not that big of a deal. I like the bed just fine. I'm not even going to worry about that. One may be in charge of going through the door first because they feel like it's their job to go out and patrol the the yard. It doesn't mean, you know, if you have a great Pyrenees and you got a couple of um, Australian, you got a shepherd, an Australian shepherd, and let's say you have a terrier, the terrier is going to run out to to want to go dig. Um, your your Australian shepherd's going to go out to see if there's any chaos that needs to be controlled. And the Pyrenees needs to go out first to ensure that the environment is safe for perimeter chicks. So perimeter check, right? So everybody has their role, right? You don't have this one, one dog that's in charge of everything. And if you do, you're going to have problems. Um, overall, though, the human has to be upper management. Yeah. You have to be the CEO. Yeah. You get to say what, what happens and what doesn't happen. You don't, though, place and say, well, Lucy, I'm going to make Fido. I'm going to make Fido really like the bed because or the couch because Fido was mm-hmm. here first. No, you make Fido do that, there's going to be an altercation. And Fido's not going to be comfortable because Fido's going to be like, I don't care. Don't put me over here. Lucy's going right. to kick my butt. So we have to be very careful not to do that. Um, let them become their individuals. And individually, they will learn how to be a family. Okay? Uh, so that's kind of what you want. Those are the standard, whether you're bringing a dog in or whether you have an established pack already. Uh, so I think I covered all of that, may have a few other things I bring up, um, but I do want to talk about bringing a new dog into the mm, home. Yeah, that's a big thing. Because uh, it really is because you get people that have, okay, we have one dog, we want to get a second dog. We have two dogs, we want a three dogs. Uh, well, the third dog feels left out, so let's bring in a fourth dog. Yeah. So it just kind of grows, right? Um, I can't really tell you what the ideal number is. I think it's going to be personal preference for everyone. Um, I think for me, uh, two is really all I mm-hmm. want uh, so that a third is not left out. But I know there are some people that want three so that if they have to take one to go somewhere, then the two are left. They are left together. So yeah. they're not alone. So a lot of people have reasons for bringing dogs in. But 
either way, this is something that, that is very important. Let's talk about that we have Fido, okay? And uh, we want to give Fido a playmate. And uh, and so we want to go to the shelter and we want to find Fido a playmate, or we want to look at a certain breed or whatever. The thing is, is that we have to take in consideration, no matter what you're really wanting and looking at, you got to take in consideration Fido's wants and needs and desires. Fido should have a say-so on what dog comes mm-hmm. into the house. because. That dog is coming to be a part of the family. So you need to take in consideration, what does Fido prefer? If Fido Fido prefers small dogs and is nervous around big dogs, don't go buy a Great Pyrenees. Right. Right? So don't don't bring in an extra large dog that you know Fido is not comfortable with and think that he's just going to adjust. Again, being tolerant isn't meaning that the dog is is enjoying it. So we need to look at what does Fido, Fido prefer? Uh, does he want a dog that's really playful, right? But if Fido is laid back and not very playful, then bringing in a really playful dog is going to be irritating to right. Fido. Don't expect them to be best friends. Okay, By, uh, Buster, bringing Buster in is not necessarily going to make Fido become a player when for four years he's not been mm-hmm. big on playing. Okay, Fido prefers to hang with the people. Does, does Fido prefer males or females? Okay, so we need to look at what sex your dog or dogs like, what activity level, energy level, size, um, could be even long hair versus Mm -hmm. short hair. Fido may have had a negative association with long-haired dogs. So no matter the size, long-haired dogs are not a positive. He doesn't go crazy, doesn't fight them, but he's not comfortable. Okay, so we really need to take in consideration your established dog and what their wants and needs. And I would even say you need to take your dog to meet the potential dog on neutral ground and let them kind of see how they're going to work out because maybe the new dog won't like your dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and especially if it's an adult dog, because again, puppies, all puppies love pretty much everything. So you have to take that in consideration. So always think about your established dogs before you bring in another dog. Yeah. Um, and this is something we didn't do a really good job at. I, and I admit that um, when we, when you went to look at Isabella, but our guys were, you know, our guys they're, were pretty well, good with they're anybody. They're pretty flexible. Anything. I mean, they, they are. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we knew but that I will def- uh, Diane yeah. prefers females. Or, uh, yes. I said that wrong. Small females. Small females. No, she like yeah, she likes small females. Um, she can take large mm. or small males, uh, but she gets a little bit more kind of bitchy with females her yeah. size and bigger. And, you know, a lot of shelters will let you bring your dog. Um, they have a neutral, you know, play area where they can meet um, just to make sure that's going to be a good a good fit. Absolutely. And I think that you need to always look at when you bring a dog home, um, it's got to be on a trial mm-hmm. basis. Oh, for sure. Uh, we did that. We, we actually brought a little pup home, a little um, tiny dog home. And we did a trial for a couple of days and mm-hmm. it just didn't work. It did not fit into our family. So we went, we sent it back to the rescue and it went up north, actually. You remember the little, it was a Chihuahua tile. It was like a ch- Chihuahua. It was last year sometime. From our oh, favorite Goofy yeah, Foot but, rescue. Uh, yeah. It was only I, a couple of days. I blocked out uh, most of uh, 
2020. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay to, to say, all right, we're going to give this a trial. If a dog is coming out of a shelter, it's usually two weeks before you start to really get to see the dog as it is. And then it can be up to three months for the dog to mm-hmm. decompress totally. So you need to make sure that you are understanding that it may not work out and you may need to take the dog back. Um, and so uh, everything needs to be a trial. And for the first couple of weeks, when you bring a dog home, um, always supervise interactions. Do not let them interact without you there in case there is an issue because you don't know the dog yet, whether it's a puppy or um, or whether it's a you know an older dog out of a rescue, you don't know. So at least two weeks, it needs to be constant supervision. And of course, following all of the other rules. And when you do bring a dog home, even if you've taken, you've taken Fido to meet Buster, everything worked out well. So we're going to bring Buster home. Well, Buster needs time to come in and check out his new environment without dealing with Fido. So Buster needs to come in and be able to check out the yard, check out the house get all the smells in and um, and get some individual time with the with his new owners before Fido is allowed to interact at the house with Buster. And that will allow for some decompression and allow Buster just to get comfortable without having Fido in the face, either wanting to play or just wanting to guard things and protect things. Um, it gives Buster a chance to check everything out. Um, and always, when you have dogs together, um, especially bringing them home, give the new dog and your established dog a way to get away. So if you see that your Fido is overwhelmed and goes into the bedroom, then close the door, put a baby gate up to where Buster can't get in there so that Fido has some downtime. This is especially important when you bring a mm-hmm. puppy home. Puppies are exhausting. Everybody. <laughs> I'm sure. So make sure yeah, that you give the adults a chance to get away and have some downtime. Um, and of course, interrupting inappropriate behavior is very important, even with the new dog. Um, going ahead and setting those expectations uh, is important. And if you see where Fido is trying to play too much with Buster and Buster is exhausted because Buster is decompressing from the shelter, then you need to give Buster a chance to go chill somewhere, interrupt Fido, um, and really be uh, that kind of upper management to where I'm, I am in charge and I will kind of direct things. Don't just let them be together constantly. Um, even if they are best friends, best friends even need some time apart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cause I know that with us, I mean, you're my best friend, but I will say I really enjoyed three days of vacation without yeah. anyone. And, and you enjoy when you go camping with you and Isabella without me there. So um, we all need that because we're individuals and we're just trying to make this world work together. So you got to keep that in mind for your dogs. Um, if you have an established group already, you're not bringing a new dog in, um, but you do need to make sure you're focusing on good behavior, acknowledging good behavior on a regular basis. Don't take it for granted. Um, if you do have any type of altercations, uh, don't freak out um, and don't automatically assume that you know who was the instigator. Um, you need to understand that those are going to happen, but if they happen um, back to back or they are more severe, as soon as you see that happen, you need to contact a professional immediately. Um, and uh, and I recommend even separating dogs at home um, if 
you have a dog who's maybe overly playful or showing any type of bully behavior, you need to make sure that when you're not home, that dog does not have access to everyone else because we don't want Fido protecting the water bowl from Buster when no Mm -hmm. one is home. No one's there to interrupt that. We're going to, again, it's going to create issues. Um, So when we do have issues, when you have aggression issues between dogs, this can be um, fighting over resources. This can be just fighting over attention. Uh, Either way, it's usually not as simple as it being just over a resource or over attention. It's something that's built up. Um, You need to make sure you reach for a professional immediately, but it needs to be a professional who understands multi-dog households, understands dog behavior, not someone who's just going to come in and correct uh, the attitudes of the dogs. I can tell you that obedience training is not going to fix it either. Um, There are some things that you go ahead and prepare yourself for. One is management. Uh, You've got to separate these dogs and keep them separated uh, safely. Um, So crate training, um, particular rooms, baby gates, um, that's going to need to happen for decompression so that we can start to decompress them and start kind of a new um, history Mm -hmm. together. Um, Another thing that people don't realize that they will end up having to do typically is muzzle acclimation, which I've talked about in our muzzle episode. Um, I think every dog should be acclimated to a basket muzzle. Um, But when I have interpack aggression issues, dogs must be acclimated to muzzles because that's the only safely way to uh, reintroduce dogs. It's got to be safe. Um, So muzzles are important. But doing what it is correctly. that website that you refer people to for acclimation? It's the Muzzle Up Project. So if you just search Muzzle Up Project, I think it's just muzzleupproject.com. I don't think it's .org, but if you just search Muzzle Up Project, it will come up and it will give you all the information on the types of muzzles um, and how to size them and how to acclimate your dog to it. Again, acclimate your dog to it, not just throw it on the dog and say, okay, here you go. Fido and Buster, your muzzles are on, go interact. No, you've got to acclimate so they're not stressed out with it. It takes time too. Uh, So be prepared for that. So muzzles and baby gates are going to be a part of your life when you have um, aggression issues within housemates or between housemates. Some individual things that you can do training-wise is I always usually teach a place so a dog has a specific Mm -hmm. area that a dog goes to. Um, always a really good stay. Um, I will teach a touch or a bump um, where if I have multiple dogs, the touch is something we can use to get a dog out of a situation in an emergency. So if they happen to come across each other's path, instead of freaking out and being like, oh my God, let's go outside. Ah, it's, you know, I can give a touch to one dog. That dog comes running to touch my hand because it's rewarded hundred percent of the time. And of course the other dog You'd want to use a different name for that because you don't want that. Mm-hmm. You don't want Fido, excuse me, and Buster both running to touch your hand. So usually we have touch oh, and bump. Okay. So that kind of helps with people. If your dog is not used to a crate, you need to get them back used to a crate. You also need to be able to send them to that crate immediately. These are uh, a lot of um, protocols for safety. Muzzles, baby gates, crates, place stay and a good touch or bump. You've got to have some self-control. The dogs have to have some self-control to be able to work through this. 
you've got to be able to manage and um, and keep them from really seeing each other and having to deal with it with each other until we work mm-hmm. through things. So sometimes a time apart, right? It's a little separation in our arranged marriage, a little separation. We're not filing the divorce papers yet, but we're doing a little separation to work on them individually. And then we'll work on bringing them back together. I'm sure that people ask you a lot of times, um, and I'm just going to guess here, how long is the process? Oh, all the time. Uh, I I think people also get frustrated because... One, I can't give a definitive answer. Depends on, you know, how long has this been going on? Uh, You know, have they been, have you had them separated for two months? Have you had them separated for a day? Uh, When did this begin? Um, It is, it is a journey though. I mean, it it is a long process. And uh, luckily, you know, we don't have issues in our house that are long-term. They're, you know, short little altercations from time to time. But one, it is something you have to stay on top of all the time before it ever gets to be a problem. Um, You know, there are days when I know Isabella is just being a complete asshole. Um, And I got to separate her. I got to go do something else with her. Uh, But then when it, when, or if it does become a problem, you know, there's no definitive answer I can give to people except to tell them it's a constant process and you're going to have to put in the work um, because it is a journey. It is a journey. And sometimes it can be simple and it only takes, you know, a small amount of time, but I have some cases that, I mean, I've been Mm -hmm. working six months Mm -hmm. on and they're doing everything that I'm asking them to do. And uh, it is, it's going to be hard separating dogs and doing crate and rotate is a challenge. Um, but it's it's what we have to do to get things moving forward to, you know, to um, to see if it's even going to work, because that's another thing that people say, or is can we get these dogs to live together? Yeah. And, and again, that is you can't answer. Can't answer. Uh, sometimes yes. And sometimes no. Sometimes there's just no uh, reconciling that sometimes the divorce has to happen. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and that's something I cannot answer for people Mm -hmm. until I get in there. Um, until I really start getting the details and understanding each dog, I cannot answer that, but I will be the first to tell people this is not going to work out if I see that it is not going to work out. And in that point when it's not going to work out, rehoming is the only option. Um, crate and rotate, uh, and trying to live in the household together that way is not appropriate. Um, it's selfish uh, that's from the human point of view. Um, dogs, we, they should not have to live in a crate and rotate life. And they shouldn't have to be in their home yeah. feeling stressed. So people being aware of going into this know, one, that it's going to be a journey. Two, um, it's probably not the dog you think that's instigating things. <laughs> uh, three, um, rehoming may be an option may have to be an and, option. And keeping in mind, and, but, and because I, I come uh, from this from the human standpoint so many times, is it's going to be exhausting for you too to have to separate these dogs and to be on this schedule and get into this routine and 
make sure that doors are closed all the time. You're on hyper alert constantly. Yeah, if you're ha- you're hyper vigilant, stress- that's very stressful, and it's stressful for your dog too to yeah. be hyper vigilant of not knowing when that gate that baby gate's going to fall down exactly. and they're going to get attacked. And uh, you know, going oh gosh, how long has Fido been out? Okay, Fido's been out in the house uh, alone for an hour. Well, okay, I got to go rotate now because I got to make sure that Buster gets the same amount of time, so it's fair. I mean, it's that is exhausting and that is hard. Um, yeah. And yeah. you know, it's, it's not fair to you and it's not fair to your dogs. No, your dogs will be um, happier. They will miss you for a moment and then they'll be happier living in a home with no tension and no fear of the other dog exactly. attacking them and vice versa. The one that's living with you is going to be like, Oh, and you're going to feel the air just kind of the, the tension will just break when that happens. And it's, so it's there and you're not a bad human or a bad owner for doing that. And to say, I don't, I never give up on a dog. That's again, going back to a yeah. selfish thing, right? If I say, well, I've never given up on a dog. I've never given a dog up. Well, that's really saying that you're selfish and it's more about you than is the dog, is the dog's welfare right. what it needs. And I mean, I recognize that there's a stigma uh, attached to that when you, when you try it to really rehome is, a dog, yeah. a lot of people are going to give you guilt trips about that. Um, they're yeah. they're going to ask why you didn't do more, why you can't just keep them separated, why, you know. And and that's unfortunate, but it is it is something that you're going to run into should you have to rehome a dog, and it's you know. It's it's, yeah, not it's not fair. It's not right. It's not um, fair. But it is part of, you know, um, the rescue culture uh, is is bad for that, for the for the guilt trips. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't I, I always want to make my clients understand that I will never make them feel guilty um, and I will support them 110 percent if that is the route we need to take. Uh, because for me, I'm speaking yeah. for the dog um, and it's about the dog's welfare. And, um, and it can be very hard on family members. Um, I've also dealt with family members that are fighting as well because it was mm. their favorite dog that's getting its butt kicked by their least exactly. favorite dog. Yeah. And so you get a lot of, you get a lot of arguments between family members and then they start to overcorrect one dog and that dog's not doing anything. So to reiterate, do not punish and correct dogs during altercations and when you don't know who's the instigator. If you don't know enough, the best is just separate and call in a professional. Um, Do not. Uh, It's just like when people get puppies and the puppy goes over and stays in the face of the adult. And so the adult growls and they yell at the adult. I've actually had a client uh, a couple weeks ago that has a new puppy. Her little dog was getting yelled at every time it was correcting the puppy. And now the older dog is like, I hate you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat your face off. So it's turned into normal correct from normal corrections to now a dislike. It's a negative association now. So a major negative association. So we have to make sure that one, we give the adult chances to get away. We're acknowledging uh, good behavior when the puppy is around and the adult is being patient. We have to interrupt the puppy when it's being disrespectful. Um, We have to make sure that we're um, on all sides doing the things that we need to do as upper management to ensure that everyone gets along. Um, and everyone in, you know, at least they don't have to be best friends, but they have to at least be okay living in the same household together without 
any right. tension. Um, and I know you're about to wrap up, but um, another thing that I get asked a lot is, um, is it okay if my dogs go to daycare separately, uh, especially litter mates, uh, because they're so bonded and they want to be together all the time. Send, send your dogs to daycare individually. Um, there are Absolutely. a lot of daycares that offer packages and they will let you use those packages for both dogs. So one, you know, if it's a package of two a week, use one for Fido and use one for Buster. Um, that that's going to help with that codependency. Um, and then it's also going to, you know, give you some time alone with the other dog and you can work on some things with them. Um, I, I got asked that this morning actually by someone. So I, I wanted to throw that in there. Yes, uh, absolutely. Give them that time. Let them go play with their friends. You know, growing up, your friends and your siblings friends were not the same. I mean, not, you know, Bingo. your best friends, your core group of friends, um, they were not the same. So let your dogs have their own friends and their own time. That's right. That I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is another way to get that separation so that the dogs are not being so dependent. And especially with litter mates, you need to immediately with litter mates separate into crates. The crates can be close to each other. They can see each other, but it's immediate separation. Um, everything is done separately. They do have their playtime. They have that interaction, but overall it needs to be their own thing. And definitely, 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 definitely finding their own friends. Um, I, I love that you brought that up because that is I very did, important. I didn't, I didn't want to miss very that because uh, we good. did have someone ask about that this morning. So uh, yes, it is okay awesome. for your dogs to be away from each other and don't yes, feel guilty do. about it. If you take one dog hiking one day, don't feel bad if you don't take another one with you. It's okay. That's right. Instead, leave them home with a fun mm-hmm. enrichment toy, right? A big old good stuffed Kong or a stuffed um, topple from West Paul. <laughs> Give them something that they're they're probably going to be like, oh, thank God they've left the house. It's just me and my topple with my chicken foot and my peanut butter and my mackerel. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to be amazing. I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't want to have to wait for Fido to come around the corner. I just get to enjoy this calmly yeah. and quietly. Promise you Buster is going to be very grateful that you got Fido yeah. out of his face I mean, for look, a little while. You got, if, you know, we have parents listening and you've got multiple kids. You've got a kid who likes band. You've got a kid who likes sports. You know, you know, I mean, you've got to, you've got to sort of play to their needs and their desires. Uh, yeah. You know, don't put all your kids in dance. You're, you're ultimately going to have a kid that right. hates dance. So um, sort of look at it from that angle as far as uh, having multiple dogs as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I, I love yeah, this episode today. It was today. fun. This was a good episode. We did a multiple dog household episode, I think, back in 2019. Um, but I don't think it was nearly this detailed. Um, and we, that's one thing we are going to do is redo some of the ones we've done back in two, you know, back when we first started. Mm-hmm. Because we get better. You know, you get better and you learn more and you, and you educate yourself more. So um, this is one we did do. But I think this one was really good. I think it was a lot more detailed and, and um, some really good examples. And we have been getting a lot of calls for that issue. Um, so hopefully um, you guys can um, can get something out of this. And if you do have a problem, please reach out to someone who knows it, uh, who knows and understands it. We do offer Zoom meetings for that type of issue as well. 
Um, it's a little bit more challenging to work with interpact aggression issues uh, via Zoom, but I can at least get you started and I can um, give you a good rundown of, of what more than likely is taking place and at least get you started on things. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope you I hope you guys don't have problems with dogs uh, in your household. Um, but just know that there are always more things that you can do to individualize each dog and give them that attention that yep. they need. So oh, this was awesome. I'm so glad we were able to do this. Um, and Britt, enjoy the home <laughs> office. I am, I am off to, uh, I'm off to the gym and then I have class tonight. Then we have our first level two class for this round fun. tonight. So I'll see you after class. Um, I, it's yeah. Gonna have a ball. I'm gonna have a ball. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure that you do follow us on Instagram for enrichment ideas, like us on Facebook and um, be sure to share this podcast. I know that you know a lot of people with multiple dogs. Share this, man. I mean, come on. Let's get these. Let's get um, our listeners up. We've had um, a lot of listeners downloading um, our podcast, but you know what? I know there's a lot more that we can be reaching, but I need your help for that. So uh, please share, share, share um, as much as you possibly can and shoot us an email. Let us know who you are, where you are. What do you enjoy about the podcast? What do you want to hear um, as an episode and what you think, um, we should be doing next, right? Cause we want to hear from you guys. All right. Got anything? Uh, for us there, I don't Brett? believe so. All right. Awesome. Y'all have an amazing week and do something with your dogs individually this weekend.